But let's talk Christmas lists, okay? It's about that time of year. What is on somebody's Christmas list? Somebody tell me. Say what? You don't have a Christmas list? A laptop, okay. Some new beats, all right, some new headphones. What about y'all? What's on your Christmas list? What, what would you want for Christmas? You don't know? Another tattoo, okay. All right. You ask for jeans. Yeah, you, you, know you're, you know you're growing up when you start asking for things that you need. Like, yeah, Wes did. He asked our parents for, like, khaki shorts because his are all jacked up. And, you know, I, I asked for, like, yes, sir, what were you? Food? Okay, yeah. I asked for, like, a North Face jacket and my backpack's falling apart. So, you know, I'm like, like stuff that I need, you know. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> An iPod charger. Five bucks or the family dollar. Now, see, you guys are all already getting to the age where you're asking for things that you need. You're thinking about, like, what do I need to do work, you know, to, to, to finish my schoolwork, or, you know, what would make, you know. But when you're little, you don't ask for what you need, right? You ask for what? What you want. Yeah, you know, you just ask for crap stuff that you want. You know, I want a toy. I want, you know, I want a Power Ranger. You know, what, you know when you're little, I don't know what y'all, I didn't play with Power Rangers. But, yeah, you know, right, you get those toys. Like, I remember when Wes and I were little, I was about 10 or 11, I guess. We got this, like, little hockey table thing. It was a table talk hockey thing. Well, younger. Okay, we weren't little. We were younger. We had this little tabletop hockey thing, you know, and uh, and it had it was kind of like, I don't even know, like foosball almost, but with hockey, it was, it was weird. I don't know. You had little things that you flipped, and Vernon has one of those. Why am I not surprised? Vernon has random stuff like that. Yeah, you know, and, and we ask for those things, especially when we're little, because we want them. Now, I want you to imagine a girl. Her name is Jenny. We're going to call her Jenny today, okay? And Jenny, Jenny, I didn't even think about that. Okay, Jenny has two parents that love her. They're still married, okay? She's she got a, you know, parents that love Jesus and they love her. She's got a little brother who kind of annoys her, you know, like little brothers do. Um, but, you know, she loves him anyways, you know. And I see the older sisters with younger brothers in the rooms all nodding and, and, and stuff. So, yeah, you know, kind of annoying, but still, you know, loves her little brother. And, and uh, you know, her parents have, have pretty good jobs. They're not, like, rich, but they're not lacking either. You know, she's never, never gone hungry. They always get decent, you know, decent Christmas gifts and that kind of stuff. She's got really good friends. You know, she's got a, she, she's got a crew of, of really close and loyal friends. And she gets pretty good grades. And she does good in extracurricular activities and all this kind of stuff. But, but she has all this stuff. And, you know, if you look at, at her life on the surface there, you kind of look at the list of things like, man, she must be in a really good place. She's got a really good life. And yet she wants what she wants more than anything is a boyfriend. And the problem is she wants a boyfriend. She, listen, she wants a guy so bad that she'll date any loser that shows her any attention. Okay. Now, have y'all ever known somebody like that who, even though they had a pretty good life, they're so desperate for the attention of a boy or a girl that guys can be like this, too. I don't, I'm not just picking on on the girls, um, you know, you know, that the, they will date the guys who are jerks to them, just so they can say they have a boyfriend, right? And see, the reason they do that, and the reason Jenny 
is doing that is because her desires are crooked. Her desires are misplaced. She has all these good things, but her desire is jacked up. Now, if we look in the Bible, there's a bunch of, of examples of where the people's desires are misplaced. They're kind of crooked. They're offline from what they should be. Okay? Right at the beginning, Adam and Eve, you know, they ate the apple, and they didn't eat the apple because they were hungry. You know, they're in a garden full of trees. They got lots of trees, and there's, you know, animals they can eat and all that kind of stuff. They ate the, the apple because they had a desire for knowledge and power. It says in Genesis 3, 4 through 6, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Genesis 3, 4 through 6 talks about how the serpent told them that if you eat this apple, you will surely be like God, no Knowing good and evil. So they wanted knowledge and they wanted power. We go a little further forward, we look at Samson. And Samson, of course, you know, he had the long hair and he fell in love with Delilah. And he told, and the hair was, was where his strength was. God had told his mother, if you leave, if, if he never cuts his hair, he's going to have superhuman strength. And he killed a bunch of dudes with a, jaw, with a donkey's jawbone. And he was really, yeah, he killed like hundreds of dudes. I think it's like a thousand guys with just the jawbone of a donkey that's how strong he was because his hair was like that and yet he was so desperate for love and for the affection of Delilah he told her the secret and she tricked him and she cut his hair and uh and so it was because his desire for love was misplaced you know that that he got clouded by that and he turned away from God's call in his life we also look at uh David the King David who of course man after God's own heart David's David's pretty awesome and yet in 2 Samuel 11, verses 2 through 4, he got distracted by uh, a pretty woman, and he had a desire for sex. And because of that, he slept with her, and he ended up getting her pregnant and having her husband killed. He ends up committing adultery and murder. And because his desires were off, like if he had been in God's will, he'd have been out fighting the battle with the rest of his army. But instead, he stayed home, and he saw her, and he took her, and... That was bad, and he was punished for that. You know, the child died, because, all because David's desire was for sex. Look at Jonah. Jonah, you know, of course, Jonah, you know, he, God tells him, hey, go to Nineveh. He doesn't, he goes to, he goes to Tarshish, and he gets the, the storm, and then throw him overboard, and he gets eaten by the, the whale, and, uh, and he gets spit out on a dry land. Then he goes to Tarshish, and, or then he goes to Nineveh, like he was supposed to in the beginning, and he preaches. And God forgives the city of Nineveh now. Nineveh was a wicked city, like really, really, really wicked. And so he preaches to Nineveh, and they turn to God, and God forgives them, and then Jonah gets all mad. Jonah gets mad. He's like, see, God, I knew you were going to forgive him if I did. That's why I didn't want to go in the beginning. Like, that's the Tony paraphrase of Jonah 4, 1 and 2 here. He basically says, you know, that's why I didn't go. That's why I went to Tarshish because I knew you were going to forgive him if I went there. And I don't want them forgiven because they're jerks and they need to be punished. See, Jonah desired judgment so bad that God had to punish him and teach him a lesson too because he wanted judgment for people and not grace. Okay, Peter in the New Testament, he denies Jesus, you know, and the reason he denied Jesus wasn't because he didn't love Jesus, but because he thought, okay, they're about to kill him. If I say I'm with him, they might kill me too. So he had a desire for safety, which totally makes sense. But denying Jesus was out of his desire for safety, not out of his desire to grow, close, to grow closer to God. I see these five things, and this is just five of them. There's, there's more. Uh, these are just five of the more common stories in the Bible I wanted to bring up to you because... In each case, it's a desire for something that messed them up. And sometimes the desire is not necessarily bad, like in a vacuum. Like, Samson had a desire for love. We all want to be loved, you know. DC Talk sang about it. And, uh, and, and uh, 
you know, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be loved, but when the, when the desire for love comes in the way of the desire for God's will, then we get jacked up. And, you know, again, Peter, desire for safety. We all want to be safety. We all, you know, hopefully you buckle your seatbelts and you take, you know, you do the things you should do to keep yourself safe. But in that moment, he was called to be a disciple of Jesus. And by denying Jesus, that was definitely outside the will of God. And, and I get, even Adam and Eve, like, we all want knowledge. There's nothing wrong with knowing stuff. And, you know, I'm a proponent of school, you know. And, you know, all those things, like, there's nothing wrong with knowledge. But when, when that desire for knowledge gets in the way of God's desire for our life, then all of a sudden our desires are sideways. See, having desires like those is not necessarily bad, is, but, but when they contradict God's plan for our life at that particular time, they get us in trouble. See, here's, here's kind of the, the crux, and here's the, the, the main turning point of tonight, is that your life will follow the course that your desires set. Your life will follow the course that your desires set. And so because of that, we better make sure our desires are godly ones and not our own desires. But that's really hard because we're all born with our desires. Like, you know, and, and so we got to make sure that, that our desires are like God. So then the question becomes, how do we do that? Like, how do we get to the point where our desires are, are God's desires, okay? We're going we're gonna to read a scripture. I'm going to break it down. It's kind of in two sections here. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's the NIV. Other translations say, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now that first part, delight yourself in the Lord, okay? What he's talking about here is, 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 is enjoying the relationship we have with him. I want you to think about your best friend. Okay, I want you to all get the mental picture right now of your best friend. You probably all got it. I've got, I've got actually two different people in my head. Okay, uh, some of you may have more than one person. That's okay too. Tell me, how did you become best friends with that person? You do? How did you become best friends? Okay, so you met her through your brother, okay? Right, because, okay, he was being weird to her, and you tried to protect her. Okay, that's cool. Somebody else, tell me, how did you become best friends? Soccer through church, okay. Yes, Shadow. You saw each other every stinking day, okay? Time spent together is a big one. And most of you guys are thinking about it. You're thinking about it's probably somebody you spent a lot of time with, yeah? Friends since you were babies, okay? Just known them your whole life, yeah? How many of you guys have somebody like that who you just known somebody your whole life? Most of y'all? Yeah, JW? Yeah. See, Wes and I moved around too much. I don't really have a... Have, uh, have somebody like that. I mean, I have friends from when I was little, but I haven't seen them in many years, and so I don't have that. That's kind of cool for those of y'all that have lived here a long time. Um, and so that's cool. But yeah, time spent together, somebody mentioned. What about how many of you, like, you can think of one particular event that, like, cemented your friendship with somebody, like in Step Brothers? Did we just become best friends? You know, like, you have that moment. What was, the, what was it? No, oh, okay. When your moms were friends, okay, yeah, you know, like I, you know, I can think of, um, you know, Brad, who I've known since I was in tenth grade. I'll tell you how I met Brad. Brad and his sister he had a twin sister, and uh, 
And she came in. We were sophomores in high school. It was right around this time of year. And they came into our Sunday night youth Bible study. And she had one of those little fake babies that, like, you know, for certain classes you have to carry those around, right? She had one of those. And the thing was, like, crying in the middle of our Bible study, you know? Like, we're trying to have Bible study. And this ridiculous fake baby is whining. And I tell you what, it's an icebreaker. Like, the crying baby is an icebreaker. And so we all, you know, we met. That's when we met Sarah and Brad. And Brad was in choir, and I was, and he was in a different school. But, you know, Brad and I had a ton of things in common. And, and so, and even now, that, that was 10th grade. It was our junior year. We went to uh, Washington, D.C. for Fine Arts Nationals. It was in Washington, D.C. And he and I shared a room. And, man, we still have inside jokes from that trip. Like 10 years later, 11 years later, I can call. I could text him right now and say, Lyman Grime, and he would just laugh. He, would not, he wouldn't even have to respond. But he would, he would know exactly what I'm talking about. And we would both picture his mom being weird because it was about his mom. And, so, and, and it, yeah, again, that, that's how inside jokes work, right? Like if I tried to explain it, it would be weird. His, yeah. his mom had no sense of direction, but she was trying to help people on the subway. It was bad. Uh, and so like, we drug her through the subway for three days, and then she's trying to help somebody else. And I'm like, she's going to send that guy to New York. Like I don't know where she's going to send that dude. We were watching. Yeah, it was bad. So, but, you know, that trip was, I would say, we had known each other for a year, year and a half at that point. But that was really like the thing that I would say cemented our best friendship. And I was the best man in his wedding. One day he'll be the best man in mine. You know, and it's because that, and we think about the way that we make those friends and the way that we develop those friendships by time together, by making memories, you know, by laughing together. Man, God has a sense of humor, y'all. And, you know, we all should be able to laugh at the things that, because I believe God laughs at the stupid stuff we do. We ought to laugh at those things too, you know. And, and, you know, and we learn from one another. Micah, who I talk about all the time, taught me a lot about guitar. You know, I learned a lot from Mike about guitar. Nathan, his brother, taught me a ton about running sound. Like, most of what I know about running sound and setting up sound came from Nathan. And so learning from them was the way we developed our friendship. You know, I'd be like, hey, Nathan, I'm stupid. Would you help me with this? And he'd help me with that, and we'd develop, we developed our friendship, you know. And so we, we have all these ways of developing a friendship and delighting in somebody, and we can do those same things with God. Like, we talk all, about, all the time about how, uh, you know, those of you know, we walk with God and we have a relationship with Jesus. Those are the terminology we use a lot, and we can do the same thing. We delight ourselves in our relationship with God by spending time with Him in worship and through Bible reading, of course, and you know, and in you know those kind of things. You know, and when we do that, then our desires begin to be like His. Now, I want to point something out because this is really important, and I, I misread this a lot for a long time. You know, I, I, I knew this verse as a kid, but, but it was only, honestly, in the last about six months, this verse really kind of, it hit me in the head. I was like, oh, I get it now. We think this, you know, take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And we think, okay, let's use, uh, let's use, let's use old Jonah, for, for example, here, okay? Jonah, Jonah had a desire for judgment. And so he was walking with God. Did God give him the judgment he wanted on the people? No, he didn't. See, God didn't give him Jonah's desires. God gave Jonah God's desires. And, and that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to give us our desires. He wants to give us new desires that are like his. It doesn't say he will fulfill the desires of your heart. It says he will give you desires of your heart. So, so he's like, here, I'll give you some new desires. And the reasons why is because our heart is naturally jacked up. We as humans were born into a sin state. And the, in Jeremiah 79, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And so we don't want that to be our desires. Like the things that come naturally in many cases are wrong. And we have to, we have to allow God to replace those desires 
in us with his new desires because ours are jacked up and we don't want those. It says he will give us new desires. He'll replace our wicked desires with his good ones. And the reason why is because our desires at all, you know, and every sermon comes back to Jesus. That's not an accident. Our desires are actually about God's glory. The things we desire are actually about God's glory. Let's look at this scripture, Psalm 37, in context. I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. We got trust in the Lord. We got commit your way to the Lord. We got trust in him, and he will do this. Lots of references to God. Because that's what it's about. It's, you know, we would think in the context, this section might be all about us. You know, my desires, and he will give me this, and he will give me that. But no, 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 no. It's like, hey, pay attention to God. Trust in the Lord. Do what he wants you to do. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. Because our desires eventually come back to him. And if our desires are lined up with him, then he will do the things he said he's going to do. You know, he will keep us safe. You know, you think about Psalms 23. I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, but I feel no evil because evil you are with me because our desires are with him. And, and when we're walking with him, we don't have to be afraid. When we're walking away from him, we have every reason to be afraid. Okay? You know, I used, uh, used the, the illustration before of God's will being like an umbrella. As long as you're under the umbrella of God's will, you're good. But when we step outside the umbrella and we're like, God, why aren't you protecting me? And he's like, because you're outside the umbrella, moron. Get back under the umbrella, you know. And we get back in his will, and then we're back under his protection. Because our desires f- work to glorify him. Everything we do is all about glorifying God. And everything we want comes back to glorifying God. If Jonah had truly had the desires of God in his heart, he would, he would never have gone to Tarshish. He would never have, have ended up in the belly of a whale, and he, you know, and, and he wouldn't have had a fight with God. Right? If David's, and again, David's a dude who, who they call, the Bible calls a man after God's own heart, but apparently at that time in his life he was not because at that time he was a man after something else, and uh, he was, you know, and it got him in trouble. He ended up a murderer and an adulterer. And so if our desires are not in line with God's and everything else, like I said earlier, our life follows the course of our desires. And so if if our desires are not lined up with God's, then everything else goes sideways. Close your eyes and bow your heads for just just a couple minutes here. We're we're close to done. I want you to ask, really, like, ask the Holy Spirit, think about your life and about the things that are going on. Ask yourself, do my desires line up with God's? Or do I need to realign my desires? Am I off the path? Am I sideways on this thing? Because when our desires are in line with His, He doesn't have to He doesn't have to drag us along. I was thinking about that old story about footprints in the sand. You may remember that old story about I was walking. A guy had a dream where he was walking with God through the sand. There's two sets of footprints, but then sometimes there's only one set of footprints. And he says, God, why were you not there? That was during my hardest times. And God replies, that was when I carried you. You know, And that's a, that's a great story, but I think in my life there'd be sometimes where there'd be two footprints and two straight tracks where God was just dragging my butt along, you know, because I just I, just out of it. You know, and sometimes we get like that. And so if you're in a place right now and you say, you know what? 
My desires, they're sideways. My desires don't line up with God's right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around. If that's you, you say, you know what? I need a transformation of my desires. Just raise your hand up and put it back down. You don't have to keep it up long. Just take, put it up and put it back down, okay? See a few hands. If you haven't raised your hand, but, but you're thinking about it, and you say, I know I should, but I don't want to be the only one, you're not the only one. There's already been hands go up. See, it's when our desires get turned out of whack and off track that our lives begin to go that way. So I'm just going to pray, and I want you to, want you to think about that. And, and even if you didn't raise your hand, but you still know, you know what, I, I'm in this place, you can, you, can, you can pray along with me. You don't have to repeat it out loud. You just pray internally. And here's the reason why this is, this is so important. See, if I desire one thing and you desire another thing and somebody else desires another thing we're all going in different directions we're all pulled in that direction but when we all have the same goal and the same desires of God's desires we're all going in the same direction and we're working together and that's when our church gets more uh, more effective and that's when our youth group gets more effective and, and that's when everything that we do that's when our lives get more effective for the glory of God it's like a tug-of-war. If, if I'm on a tug-of-war team with you and you pull right and I pull left, but we're both trying to pull against the other guy, we're not going to do very well. But if we're pulling together, we get better. Let's pray. Dear God, God, I pray that you would realign our hearts. God, each and every day that we would reset and we would delight ourselves in you and we would focus on our relationship with you and, and that would be the the thing that sets the course of our day and of our lives. God, that we would not desire the earthly things, the things of the flesh, but we would desire the same things you desire for us and the things that you desire in us. God, like Jeremiah says, you have plans for us. You have good plans for us, God, but if we're not in your will, then we, we can't expect those plans to come to fruition. And so, God, I just pray right now you know who raised their hands you know who didn't raise their hand but needed to god i pray that you would do a work in us a transform transforming work right now god in our lives that you would realign our hearts god that you would realign everything about us god and make us more like you make our desires more like you make our wants more like you God, so that we're all going in the same direction. We're all working together because you came to seek and to save the lost, God. And I pray that that would be our heart's utmost desire, God, to see people come to know you. God, that above everything else, you said that in John, that that was why you came. And so, God, I pray that we would have that same desire. God, unified as a group, as a church body. Lord, to see people come to know you tonight. God, that as we enter into a new year and, and we make maybe New Year's resolutions, God, that one of those things would be that our desires would be more like yours. God, even now, do a work in hearts. Transform our lives. Transform our desires, God, to be more like yours. God, continue me praying.